0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap.
1: Tony, I my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks that's that's where it all starts, it all starts taking care of business in-house in the central division. That's right, I'm a meatball.
0: Hello White Sox fans it's Tony Marchese alongside NWI Steve the losing streak is over as you like to say there Steve on on twitter.com it feels good victory beers taste better we're here we're talking about a White Sox winner Steve how does it feel to have the losing streak
1: be over Hey, yo, Anthony, I'm going to quote the 20th century philosophizer from the greatest baseball movie ever, Bull Durham, Mr. Nuke Lelouch, who once famously said, I like winning. It's like better than losing.
0: I love it, Steve. I love it. Winning is better than losing. And we've done enough of the losing and talked enough about the losing. It's great to be on the microphone talking with you about something that isn't a terrible White Sox loss, which is pretty much all that we've gotten to see over the last week. But today, the beers taste just a little better. Cheers to a White Sox winner. It, it does. It is hashtag confirmed that the Victory beers, Steve, do taste better. I just, just tried one right here, and it, it, it tastes sweet.
1: I did reach out to my sources prior to hopping on here with you, and I can tell you that those are indeed hashtag facts only
0: that's that's awesome I'm, I'm glad this has been double confirmed facts only here on Sox on you get that, du- the three- Man, the,
1: that double confirmed i mean that's that's how you know it's real
0: yeah absolutely steve excellent ball game this afternoon uh the white Sox moved this game up originally scheduled to be taking place right about right now actually 608 as i look up at what time it is uh this game was supposed to be just getting underway right now moved up due to the cold you and i we were in some of that cold last night as we watched uh, the White Sox lose another ball game. But today, I mean, day ball game, Dylan Cease on the mound comes out, looks absolutely phenomenal through most of this up until he got himself into a little bit of trouble towards, I believe that was the sixth inning. Um, man, just a great start from Dylan Cease and uh, it leads to a White Sox victory. Steve, thoughts on Dylan Cease's start today?
1: Dylan Cease went out there and he hung his fucking nuts on the table and said, All right, boys. Get on my back right now. We're gonna roll. Went out there again. I talk about this every fucking night. Establish fastball command. Establish strike one. He went there. He didn't throw a single ball in the first inning. Those first couple of innings, he's just going out there. He's pounding guys, getting ahead of the count, getting ahead 0-1 with consistency. Utilizing the fastball. Utilizing the breaking ball. If you go and if you actually look at you know his his pitch sequencing. Again, very similar to what we saw from him in those first two starts of the year. There isn't really a discernible pattern in what he is using to put guys away. He's putting guys away with sliders. He's putting guys away with elevated fastballs, sprinkling in the breaking ball. We didn't see a whole lot of the change up here today. I don't know if that was just a concerted effort from the scouting report with the Kansas City Royals here. But varying up his pitch sequencing and through five innings was going out there, had no hit level stuff. And that was top of the rotation type stuff right there that you want to see. We talked about this coming into the season. Sean Roberts was, you know, deemed him his X factor for the season. This is why. This is the type of guy with this performance that we saw here today. That is ace level stuff right there. And if you see that, and if you get that with consistency, a lot of people want to talk about if this team gets into the postseason, they don't have a top of the rotation guy to match up against, you know, like a Justin Verlander or, you know, if people still consider a Garrett Cole or somebody of that ilk. What you saw today from Dylan Cease was a guy that you can go out there and feel confident in game one going up against anybody. Got to continue to build on it here. Got himself into a little bit of trouble, like you mentioned, in that sixth inning there with some control. The defense faltered him again. Should have been out of that a lot sooner than he was. But this was just an outstanding performance all around from Dylan Cease.
0: Absolutely was. He went six innings, struck out nine, only walked three batters, Uh, gives up the two runs there in the sixth inning. Uh, But other than that, man, uh, we've got a few comments to get to Uh, Dylan Cease's nuts. Hashtag set the tone um, from our guy right here. uh, Voodoo, Uh, man, he did set the tone today. He did. He came out. He set the tone. That's exactly what you want to see. We watched last night's ball game, Steve, together a little bit for a couple of innings there, and you saw just ball after ball after ball. And I, I leaned back, and I, I said to you, man, have you ever heard of the strategy throwing strikes? Maybe Dylan Cease had us mic'd up somehow and you know, just went out there. That first inning was a real set-the-tone inning, and I, I loved it. No, it didn't even... Throw a ball, like you said. That's, that's-
1: I, I think that's the epitome of hashtag set the tone when you go
0: out there first inning, say, Here it is, motherfuckers. You ain't touching it today. Exactly. And that's, that is ace level stuff, Steve. And that's, that's important. Uh, as we go through this season here, the development of Dylan C's kind of starting to reach his peak a little bit, uh, I would think. Uh, one thing that I've been a big uh, proponent of is Dylan C staying out of the, the big inning. I even, you know, you go to the sixth and he gets himself into a little bit of trouble that that last pitch he threw to, to finalize that last out, which was a strikeout was probably the biggest pitch of the ball game. It was out of the zone, but it was, he had enough on that uh, to fool the hitter and, and get out of what would have been a very dangerous situation. Cause that game was, Uh, in in some serious danger of being blown open uh, had there been any sort of hit or walk issued uh, with that pitch. So uh, thank God it was swung on and missed. But, I mean, man, just an overall thing of beauty uh, in in terms of Dylan Cease's outing this afternoon. Let's get into some of the offense here. Uh, A guy that I was highly critical of yesterday um, and am still going to be a little bit critical of going forward here, Tim Anderson, Mr. Set-the-Tone himself, Uh, Had a decent day at the plate, Uh, got two hits, scored two runs. He was also hit by a pitch to start this ball game. Um, You like seeing that from Tim Anderson, just getting on base, uh, getting a couple of hits here today. Uh, The average is back up over 300, 309 uh, right now. And uh, right behind him, a guy by the name of Andrew Vaughn in the two hole had himself a day as well. And then finally bringing up the, the last player that I really want to talk about on the positive side of this offense is Mr. Jake Berger, our third baseman himself, friend of the show, had himself an absolute day at the plate. Steve, the White Sox offense, we said it was going to need to show up to win some ball games here, showed up today. couple of, I wouldn't call them unlikely heroes, uh, but some guys who have been playing, I think, some of the best baseball haven't been your star guys. It's been Andrew Vaughn and Jake Berger. Uh, we saw him almost hit one out of the park last night. Mr. Berger gets one out today. Uh, Vaughn with a big time home run in the late innings here today. Both of those guys seem to be clicking. I'll go to you for some thoughts.
1: Yeah. It's nice to see the young guns really make some positive contribute as they like to say in hockey terms there. You know, you see some of the veteran guys, Jose Abreu hitting into some bad luck. Yes, having some early season struggles. Um, and just kind of up and down the lineup, just not seeing that level of consistency. Jake Berger hit himself into a lot of tough luck himself. You know, we saw that firsthand last night. I think you and I both thought that that ball was, was going to leave the yard when it went off his bat. It just immediately fucking died when he got, off the, got out to the warning track. Thanks, Rob Manfred, you prick, for fucking with the balls again. Um, you know, and then you just – you see Andrew Vaughn continue to go out there and produce quality professional at-bats. I'd like to take this opportunity, Anthony, if you don't mind, to issue a little statement Floor is yours. Floor to is yours. some of the people on a website known as twitter.com who spent all winter talking about trading Andrew Vaughn for mid-rotation arms like Sean Manaya, Frankie Montas. Let me ask you this. As of right now, Andrew Vaughn is hitting 298, 365, 617. Where the fuck would this offense be without Andrew Vaughn right now? I'll tell you where they would be. They would be royally fucked. They wouldn't even be 7-10 and 10 right now. The simple fact of the matter is that Andrew Vaughn, since the beginning of the season on opening day, has been the most consistent presence in this White Sox lineup. Consistently having the best quality at-bats from game to game, at bat at-bat. Sure, he's given away a couple of, of at-bats in there. But the level of consistency that we have seen from this guy in his second full season now, it shows a lot. And it talks and and it speaks to what those of us who saw him understood his profile, why we believed that it would have been a huge mistake for this team to trade him. And we're seeing this come to fruition because, again, imagine my surprise that a guy who didn't have the luxury of stepping in a batter's box above – Hi, Winston Salem, going directly to the major leagues last year, having some significant struggles in the second half of the season. All of a sudden, now having some further development, being able to be in a position to understand how pitchers are attacking him, understanding the strike zone better, and understanding what he needs to do on a game-to-game, at bat by at bat basis. We're already seeing kind of the tip of the iceberg with this guy, and I said it before. I I talked about this, you know, with you and, and with Buzz on couple of the shows last year. I think when this whole thing is all said and done, he is going to be the best, most complete hitter within this group of core White Sox
0: players right now. Including Luis Roberts, Steve. This is yes. Okay. Yeah. I so from from
1: from a from a strictly offensive standpoint. Gotcha. Now obviously Luis Robert is going to give you tools and and different dimensions to his game that Andrew Vaughn simply can't. And we saw that on display in left field here today, unfortunately, but just as a pure hitter. I don't believe anybody in this group is going to be as well-rounded as Andrew Vaughn offensively.
0: And and that takes into account the plate approach. I think is the is the biggest thing here that I'm I'm drawing from what you're saying here, Steve. Uh, the plate approach of Andrew Vaughn is much different than the profile of anybody else in this in this core, maybe outside of a Yasmani Grandal. But he wasn't one of the the quote unquote rebuild pieces in the sense that uh, a, a rookie like Andrew Vaughn or or Yohan or any of the other guys that came up with the White Sox. So I do agree with you. He he does do some things at the plate very early on in his career already uh that, I mean, he looks like a professional hitter when he steps into the batter's box. I could see that being the case. I, I, I hope this, Uh, you know, turns out to be true for you just for the, you know, in the look back machine, when we're talking about this in two or three years, uh, at that note though, Steve, I I would hope that some of the other guys maybe learn a little bit from Andrew Vaughn as we go along here and maybe change the approach just a little bit to, uh, just scale it a little bit towards Andrew Vaughn. Uh, and that's strictly from a plate approach standpoint. When I speak here, Steve, uh, you know, I, I want to talk a, a little bit about Jake Berger as well. Here, um, we've got news today that Johan Moncada will be heading out on a rehab stint um, this Friday uh, down to Charlotte. Joe Kelly's going to be tagging along with him. Um, so if you're out in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, it might be, uh, I don't know what the night schedule is, but if you can catch Yohan Moncada and Joe Kelly in the same game, it might be a, a nice little ball game to go take in. Steve, what do you think the White Sox are gonna do when Yoan Moncada is ready to return? I am absolutely not ready for Jake Berger to leave this White Sox squad and head back down to Charlotte. I think he's proven himself up here at the major league level. I think he's had really good at bats. He's been driving the ball. I've 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 watched the hustle. I've watched the body language. I've watched the defense. He's made great plays all around. Um He's going to struggle at times at the plate, but I would like to see Jake Berger get through a full major league season this year, just given what he's done for this ball club throughout the first month. What are your thoughts here, man?
1: I find it very hard to fathom him going down. Um, You look at some of the other guys in this roster. I would much rather see Jake Berger on the roster than Danny Mendick. I would much rather see, um, you know, Jake Berger on, on the roster, honestly, than Josh Harrison at, at this point. I mean, I know what Josh Harrison is offensively. He He's done a decent job for this team with the glove and can, you know, kind of get sprinkled in there at second base and at third base. But I, I would like to see Berger get more consistent at bats. And I think that there's got to be a way that between him and your baby boy, Gavin Sheets, to be able to work those two in there uh, whether it's in the DH role, um, you know, obviously, potentially, Gavin Sheets, you know, seeing some some playing time out in a corner outfield position there. But I definitely want to see Berger here long term. And I talked about this in in our little Saxon Tech uh, group chat here, I wouldn't be opposed to giving Jake Berger an opportunity to play second base come there's obviously some caveats along with that um having not played the position very extensively there one of the things that they would really need to do would utilize some shifting to kind of try to limit some of the range factors um that might be present there and really the biggest challenge i think in in burger's position would be the turn on on the double play specifically right there and that is a very significant thing But I think giving him an opportunity to continue to work, and we've seen this guy, he puts in the work. He goes out there and he busts his nuts. We know that about him. Um, This is a guy that rehabbed from two ruptured Achilles to get himself back to the major leagues. So we know this guy's got grit. He's got heart. He's got the fire and the passion. And I would love to see him at least get that opportunity. And let's find out, can he handle it? Um, again, there would have to be some, some significant shifting going on and some changes in overall processes that this team historically has been slow to implement and utilize, but why not?
0: Yeah. And you know, the other thing too here, Steve is, uh, when Yon Mankata does come back, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think that you're going to see Jake Berger get the majority of the starts at third base. Uh, whether they come at second, you know, you've got Yon Mancado, who also has experience over at second base as well. Not sure if that's something that he's willing to go back to, or the White Sox are even considering to go back to, but I think that this White Sox lineup is better with Jake Berger in it than the likes of Danny Mendick, Lurie Garcia, uh, Josh Harrison, and a couple of these other guys. I'd like to figure out a way to keep him in this lineup And if it has to be at second base, you kind of go take a a Brewers of a couple years ago approach and you throw your best bats into that lineup and you hope you score a bunch of runs. And then you can take a guy like Jake Berger out in the sixth, seventh inning and maybe throw Larry Garcia or somebody else who's more, uh, you know, adept to playing the position itself to kind of go shut things down. Um, You do have the DH spot to play with. I'm a little concerned, though, right now, just at the timing of this, with uh, the Yasmani Grandal comments that came today about him, you know, potentially tweaking something, running into second base yesterday. I was there, saw it, watched it, forgot to mention it on the postgame show with Johnny last night, but I did see him kind of stumble a little bit, and it it did send chills down my spine uh, when I saw Yasmani Grandal running into second base there. Um, I'm concerned that he's going to be a little bit limited to the DH role for a couple of days here. And I don't want to see that turn into, you know, a couple of weeks, because I think that that really messes with your roster construction in terms of what you can do at DH, continue to get guys like Gavin Sheets or Jake Berger at bats without utilizing them in the DH role. We'll have to see what happens here. But things get very interesting if you have to have uh, Reese McGuire in your lineup. Um, as the catcher almost every day for a week Steve because you're going to start limiting your offensive chances I'm a little concerned about that one how concerned are you
1: it's it's a valid concern I mean we saw obviously Yaz missed what was it six to eight weeks last year um, after having to have knee surgery and he's a catcher in his 30s he's logged a lot of miles on those knees so It is definitely something that you have to be mindful of. And to your point, it does limit some of your roster and lineup flexibility if you do have to utilize both of your catchers in the lineup on a daily basis for seven to 10 days at a time, what have you. So you definitely hope that in short order here, Yaz will be in a position to be able to get back behind the plate um, because then that will, again, just allow for more flexibility from a lineup construction standpoint. But um, you're you're right in saying that that is definitely a valid concern, something that we have to be mindful of here going forward.
0: Yep, I'm just I'm just hoping and praying here, Steve. Back to this ball game for just a little bit. We'll wrap this one up. Uh, Sox do take the seven to three victory over the Kansas City Royals. The losing streak is over. If you're just joining us. Uh, Let's talk about the bullpen uh just piece in this today. Uh Jose Ruiz comes in, uh, did not look Jose Ruiz-ish. I know that there's a huge Jose Ruiz stand out on Twitter.com who's been preaching this guy up and down. You know how I felt about Jose Ruiz for a while. Is that the Uh, same guy that was
1: advocating for Andrew Vaughn to be trained for mid-rotation starters over the week? I'm not
0: sure. I cannot confirm nor deny. I cannot confirm nor deny this, but uh Jose Ruiz today just Hashtag not good. Uh does give up a run that ends up tying the ball game, inflates the era. He came into the ball game with a really nice 1.69 ERA. He's now up at nice. 318. It was nice. It's not nice anymore. He's gonna have to do some work to get it back there. But Jose Ruiz uh just did, did not get the job done, in my opinion. Here coming in to work. Uh just a third of an inning. Uh, He was relieved by our guy Sousa, however we want to say his name. He ends up getting through the rest of that inning, and then we go to Kendall Graveman uh, to close this ballgame down. Two innings of work. It was very, very, very nice um, in terms of uh, four strikeouts, no hits, no walks. Uh, Gets the two-inning save, Steve this was less bumpy than a uh, in, in any recent memory than any save I've seen from this white Sox team uh, thoughts here on Kendall Graveman.
1: Yeah. Gravedigger went out there and he did a tremendous job today. That was something that this bullpen really needed. Obviously Liam Hendricks not available. So TLR understanding that situation and and kind of realizing that, Hey, um, we need to put an end to this losing streak here. So um, if you can go out there and if you can give me six outs, then, you know, today's the day that we need them and we'll figure out tomorrow, you know, maybe that's a sign that they think that Liam could be available, uh, tomorrow in a safe situation, hopefully. Um, so, you know, great, great man, just went out there and had a couple of rough outings in a row there. So to see him get back on track, certainly was very nice, Went out there, I was just attacking guys, um, utilizing that fastball sinker combination. And just going out, getting ahead of guys consistently, that was the one problem that he really had in those two outings in Minnesota was falling behind guys um, with a little more regularity than what we had seen through the early juncture of this season. So to see him go out there, establish that fastball command early and often, that's what you need to see from your late inning high leverage guys. And he went out there and he did that today.
0: Yeah, and something I want to point out, too, uh, you gave a little credit here to Tony La Russa for going to Kendall Graven for the two innings. I thought Tony managed this ballgame pretty well. You're not going to see that on Twitter.com. Nobody's going to go out there and give him credit for, for managing a good ball game. The difference today was that you had players show up and do their jobs. I think the one questionable thing that uh, maybe in hindsight was a good thing that he didn't do was go to Aaron Bummer at any point in these high leverage situation roles i don't know where aaron bummer was we talked a little bit about this yesterday johnny and i uh on the show uh that you know maybe we'll see aaron bummer uh tomorrow uh and we did not so steve any thoughts on why we didn't see aaron bummer today no high leverage situation he's been bad in these situations before continuously used is is aaron bummer in tony larusso's doghouse or was he just not available today
1: i think it's probably getting to a point where he just simply can't trust him in the high leverage situations and he's not wrong for that he's just simply not getting the job done talked about this on sunday when when you and i were were together here um he's just simply not getting ahead of hitters with regularity it's 2031 on just about every hitter out there giving up far too many walks and again Tony, I think, understood the fact that they needed to win this game. You had an eighth game losing streak, and you could just kind of see it that there was an there was an air of tension around this team. You know, we both saw it uh yesterday at at the ballpark. You you could just tell that they this group was tight. So needing to get this win today was was very important. So I think that's a big part of the reason why we didn't see Aaron Bummer. And, you know, one thing that I I want to kind of circle back to um, with regards to Tony La Russa here. The one thing that I will really say, and I, you know, it's been well documented. I I have certainly been critical of, of Tony in a number of circumstances, but I think that by and large, he has done a very good job in terms of managing the pitching staff this year. It's something that I was critical of at various points in the season last year, but to this juncture, I think he has done a very good job of utilizing the pitching staff appropriately here. The decisions haven't always worked, but the thought process, from my perspective, has been sound in in most of these instances. I think I can probably count maybe on one or two fingers the number of times where there was a decision made that I was like, I I don't think I would have done that. But I look at it as he has made decisions that have been in line with what I deem to be appropriate ways of of managing the bullpen. And look, sometimes they're just not always going to work. He can't control the fact that Aaron Bummer's not going out there and throwing strikes with consistency. Um, You know, it wasn't really his fault that Jose Ruiz was a little bit erratic today. That's going to happen from game to game. You can make the right decision, and sometimes the execution just isn't there.
0: But, and that's fair. and That's fair. I think uh, overall, I, I tend to agree with, uh, you know, most of the stuff that uh, came out of the bullpen so far this year and how the pitching staff has been handled. There's still there, there are certain times still too, Steve where I, I question some decisions and that's part of being a baseball fan. I don't think anybody's ever going to 100% agree with every lineup with every pitching decision with everything that goes on. But overall, I think the process like you said has been has been fairly sound. Steve, that's enough for today's ballgame. The White Sox got a victory. We're, we're sitting here. It's like a breath of fresh air. Just came into the room. Um, I, I'm I'm feeling great. What do we have going on tomorrow for the White Sox? What do we have on tap? Got
1: an opportunity to go out and win a series. Got Michael Kopek going out on the mound. Really went out there in his last start in Minnesota. And again, Saw top of the rotation level stuff from him going out, establishing that fastball command early, utilizing that high spin fastball at the top of the zone to put guys away with consistency, mixing in the hard biting slider. We need to see more of that tomorrow. You got a chance to win a series that would really help the mindset of this team uh, get you to, you know, eight and ten. And I think it's particularly important knowing that this weekend is the beginning of the very daunting Six-week stretch that I have talked about since before the season started. So you want to go into that with a good mindset, with a sense of momentum, uh, with the Angels coming into town here. So really important for Michael Kopech to go out there tomorrow and, dare I say, hashtag set the tone for a big game.
0: I, I would I would definitely think so here as well Steve. This is a very important ball game for the white sox to win because of this stretch that's upcoming. Steve, before we give our picks to click, I want you to kind of roll through that schedule just real quick for everybody to let them know like what's what's ahead here because I also agree with you this is this is the murderer's row stretch of the schedule. I kind of want you to just let the listeners know what it is that we're talking about here in case they haven't looked ahead. Yeah, and, you know, little
1: spoiler here. You may see some more words about this at a little website known as UntappedSportsNet.com tomorrow. little teaser there. But starting Friday with the Angels coming into town, the Sox have a 45-game stretch that takes them to June 22nd. Within those 45 games, they will play 33 games against viable postseason contenders. That includes the Angels, the Yankees, The Ginger Sox, the Jays, the Rays, the Astros, and the Dodgers. That is a proverbial murderer's row of postseason competition right there. Those are the teams that the White Sox, if they are able to right the ship here and win the Central Division again, are going to have to go through if they want to win the pennant and get back to the World Series. So in some ways, you could say it's going to be a measuring stick for this team, but I think more, moreover, just given the struggles that we have seen through the early part of this season here and in the last 10 days in particular, if they aren't able to string together a, a run of quality baseball, here, this is a portion of the schedule that could sink the season. Because if you get to a point after June 22nd and if you're seven, eight games back in the division lead, that's a big problem because I think we all have seen throughout the course of our lives, the White Sox just simply have never been a team that is good at playing catch up. And I don't want to be in a position when I wake up on June 23rd for this team to be eight games back of Minnesota and having to jump over two teams in order to win this division, because we all know only one team is coming out of the central this year. So they really are going to have to scratch and claw and they're going to have to fight through this stretch, because in a lot of ways, this stretch right here is going to, in a lot of ways, determine whether or not we get sexed
0: over or not, in my opinion. Very well said, Steve. Uh I, I'm a little bit worried about it. We'll see what happens tomorrow uh before we start to enter this stretch. Uh Steve, big ball game tomorrow. Very winnable ball game. Michael kopack on the mound. Do you have a pick to collect?
1: I do have a pick to click, actually, that you mentioned. And you know what? We got to win today. So you know what? It's time to get serious with the picks to click again. Mr. Brad Keller is on the mound tomorrow. Afternoon game. I have no choice in this situation but to go with Mr. TA7. He's going to go out there, and he's going to hashtag set the tone, and he's going to take Keller to the fucking moon.
0: I love it, Steve. I'm going to – you said get serious with these picks. Like, look, I'm going Jose Abreu tomorrow. I know it's been uh, – uh, there's some people calling for days off for him. Um, it's it's not been super pretty at the plate. It's time for him to start catching up those home run totals. Uh, I think he's going to leave the yard tomorrow. Jose Abreu, he'll still be in the lineup. You know his mom's going to call if he's not. So, Jose Abreu. Time to make it happen. I hope the weather's just a little bit warmer for him, and he leaves the yard. Jose Abreu going MVP shit tomorrow. Uh, Fireworks for Tony. I'm going to be in attendance at the ballgame. I want to see fireworks galore tomorrow. Didn't get any last night. There were fireworks today, but I wasn't there. Our guy Johnny was. Got to enjoy some fireworks. I didn't get to see any. I'm, I'm due, man. I'm due for some fireworks. Give me some Jose MVP shit fireworks tomorrow.
1: As you and I've talked about the only fireworks that I care about are when the White Sox are running the bases. Given the lack of advancement in firework technology in my lifetime, I need those
0: fireworks. I just like it, I just, I just I just want Jerry to spend the money on the fireworks. I want the firework budget to be exorbitant. That's Everybody
1: knows how I feel about uh, taking
0: money out of the Reinsdorf family trust. So I don't think we need to go down that road right now. The the money will be spent on fireworks. Uh Steve Excellent to talk about a White Sox winner. It's it's it, I feel refreshed, man. I, I honestly do. I'm drinking victory beers. It tonight. gives us a,
1: it gives us a sense of purpose again. It does. You know, when, we, when we got together on on Sunday, it was just a very somber mood. You know, it almost felt like we were at a, at a at a wake or at a funeral. It just it was you know,
0: kind of least, drifting yeah. through life,
1: drifting through life aimlessly, no sense of purpose. Now it's like we're reborn again. To quote Frank mm-hmm. Casanza, we're like a phoenix rising from Arizona. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love. that. I love that. Uh, and I hope that uh, tomorrow was the start of something that you would call uh, getting towards a winning streak. We haven't had one of those in a while. I would like one. I would like it's one. News of true. So I, I think that uh, the White Sox need to come out tomorrow and uh, like just absolutely beat the piss out of the Kansas City Royals. That would be cool and tough if they did, because you know, winning is cool and tough, Steve you previewed a, a little bit of a a, a thing that people could expect maybe in the next day or two on a website called ontapsportsnet.com i encourage everybody who's listening to this to go tune in to there, just get on your on your computer mobile device open up a web browser type in ontapsportsnet.com head on over to our white Sox section you can see articles from myself uh this guy right here uh nwi steve we've got a guy by the name of Besnick at Sox insane who's been breaking down all of these white Sox games and recaps for you um our guy buzz has been writing some johnny's been writing some we've got a bunch of white Sox writers who are covering this white Sox season uh for you in addition to these uh post game shows that we're doing and uh yeah that's uh, that's our website go check it out uh steve i don't have much else besides saying White Sox forever. White Sox
1: for life.